So we have an official sponsor. Uh, this. Okay, well, we did not get to get the uh, advertisement in tonight. First of all, I'd like to apologize to everyone tonight for the Tuesday night show, Paramotor Hangout. Um, both of my laptops have taken a crap, and I'm on my wife's tablet, which is slower than uh, molasses in January. So, I have to now deal with the echo. I don't know if you guys hear an echo or not, but I sure as the heck do. Um, anyways, tonight, as the show is called, or the motto is no filter, so I want you guys to understand tonight's show is Dave Ruff's opinion, his thoughts, his whatever you want to call it. This is uh, going to be the After Dark 2.0 on Paramotor Hangout. Um, Will and Mark will be here shortly. Will is um, having to pay his dues to staying at the Paralife Ranch mansion for tonight before we go to Waller's Flying tomorrow. So, Mr. Dave Ruff, how are we doing? I'm doing good, 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 good. So you've you? got you. I, I am. <laughs> you better stop. You better stop. Don't make me drive to Texas. God dang it. <laughs> oh, please come out here. I mean, bless me with your presence. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I am so stressed out with this computer thing. I, I just, I don't understand it. It's. Can I give you a piece uh, of advice from when we were doing shows? Yes, sir. When, when pre-shows went the way this is going. We just drank more. Mm. Just, just saying. It is my Friday, just so you know. Anyways, so we have a couple topics tonight, Mr. Ruff, that you would like to discuss. Yeah. Um, as you said, I'm probably going to get pretty passionate on one uh, of the topics, and we'll probably cover that a little later in the show because... We want more and more people to come in. So, guys, definitely put the link out. Do me a favor. This is going to be an After Dark 2.0. Of course, it's Shane's show. I really appreciate you uh, having me on tonight. Kind of use you as a medium for this. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about accountability. And then we're also going to talk about instructors and students and uh, what they should expect, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, things like that. Heck, yeah. Um, so, let's... Right now, can you can you tell the ones that are in the chat right now while we're waiting for more people to come in that uh, what 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 you do for a living, what your profession is in this sport? Oh, let's see here. A little background. Uh, yeah, I know my volume's low. Unfortunately, I'm on my phone, so sorry. Uh, so, from a flying standpoint, I am a P three free flight pilot, uh, thermal pilot, uh, ridge soaring stuff like that. Although, admittedly, I don't do that as much as I want to. 
Uh, I am a trike pilot. I am also a uh, foot launch pilot. I am certified for, through the ASC for tandem exemption and also through the USPPA for tandem exemption uh, for trike and foot launch. Um, actually, let me double back on that. I am not tandem exempt on foot launch tandem um, just because it scares the hell out of me. Uh, and then as far as for a living, I am a custom bow builder. Think bows and arrows. Uh, sell those all around the United States for about five months out of the year. And then I'm a farmer for uh, the rest of the year, which is what I'm doing right now. In fact, just about 20 minutes ago, I was out in the garden putting more plants in. What about custom marshmallow launchers? I have custom marshmallow launchers, although I'm sorry they are packed away because <laughs> I came back from Arizona last week. <coughs> still in the trailer, so... I don't have any uh, to give away tonight. Although you know, nope. I suppose we could give some away. No, no, no. That um, wasn't a, that wasn't to get you to to yes, uh, give them away. Yes, it no, was. it wasn't. Shame. I yes, I still was. have yours. Do you want to see the one you gave me three years ago? Absolutely. All right. Let me get Krista to get uh, get it out of the camper. That's about right. So I am watching uh, comments on this one as well. Uh, last time I was on, I didn't have comments up. So. Well, I will do my best until Will and Mark get here, but I am horrible about reading the chat and dealing with the show. So, <sighs> anyways, I kind of feel like I'm I'm doing OPN or or After Dark, you know, watching the comments and actually talking. This is this is <laughs> weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is no filter, man. So, so yeah, let's You're... get into it. Alrighty. So. The disclaimer on this is, guys, a lot of you know that I'm a USPPA incident investigator. So tonight does not come from any standpoint of the USPPA. Uh, they don't endorse my opinions. They don't agree or disagree with my opinions. This does not come from the USPPA in any way, shape, or form. That's the first thing that I want to put out there because I'm, I'm sure there's a few people out there going, oh, God, here we go. Um, so I'm not coming at this from a standpoint of any USPPA or ASC side. I am going to be coming at this from my personal opinion and then from a standpoint of an instructor as well um, and also a pilot, you know, somebody that, that's out there to fly. I would like to think that anybody that actually knows me that has sat down and, and you know, had a cold beverage with me or flown with me and stuff like that, you know, I, I would hope that this community thinks that I'm a, a fairly level-headed guy. I'm pretty quiet um, until I'm not. Uh, type thing. So forgive me if I kind of go off the little deep end on this, because one of these subjects really touches my heart um, in, in a bad way. And like I said, we'll be covering that here in uh, the second part. So Shane, if you don't mind, I think what we ought to do is I can go into the whole, uh, you know, pilot side of things um, as far as for responsibility uh, to, you know, in what we have, you know, towards each other, responsibility towards each other, responsibility towards this, this wonderful sport um, and hobby that we call paramotoring uh, or paragliding, you know, if you're like me, paraglide and paramotor. And, and in that is stepping up on the responsibility of making sure your equipment works. You know, we, we've got people out here that I know for a fact that that certain things on their their gear doesn't work and it's not only dangerous to themselves but more so it's dangerous to people flying around them and or people on the ground 
Um, I've said it plenty of times. I don't want regulation in this sport, but we are one step away, one step away of somebody getting seriously hurt and the FAA taking interest in it. And people say, well, you know, the FAA doesn't care if, if we kill ourselves. No, they don't. Kill yourself all day long. But the second you hit somebody on the ground or the second you kill somebody else, um, that's where they're going to take interest. And as I've said, I, I think I said it on the last show, you don't think that they're not going to get involved in paramotoring? Look how fast they took over drones. Yep. Look how fast that became regulated. It used to be I could fly my drones here and, and fly mm. them up to 1,000 feet. Not no more. It got cut to 400. And then from 400, it got cut into weight classes and then licensing and all that other good stuff. So, look. Can you hear me? If your gear doesn't work and you hit somebody, you need to step up. In the case that I'm talking about, and I'm not going to name names, and Shane, I'd appreciate it if you don't name names on this. Because really, from a personal standpoint, I don't care. I, I really don't. But from a professional side, and if it was me, I would be hot right now. If you hit somebody, you tear their wing, anything else like that, you, you break their gear in any way, shape, or form, you by God stand up and pay for it. You don't ignore that person for, for what, two weeks when they're texting you and yeah. I'm getting copies of it. Hey, dude, this is what's going on. $750, $800 in damage and you're going to walk away from it? You're a fool. You're a fool for not going up in the air or going up in the air with broken equipment. You're a fool for getting close to somebody and you're a fool for tearing somebody's equipment up and then not stepping up. Not ignoring them. Ghosting them. Not even replying at all. Not a, hey, listen, I'm financially having troubles or whatever. Nothing. And that's pretty crappy, dude. <clears throat> you there, Dave? Oh, I think Dave froze. Robo, hold on. I'm working on... Uh, I am working on getting um, the boys in here real quick. Oh, shit. Hold on. Hold on. We're working on... Dave... Dave crapped out on us. It's all right. Uh, come on. Puh, hold on. Jeez. Now I have to go to this. All right. Hold on. He, all right. So it's just me now. Don't be afraid, guys. Oh, come on. Will you not? Yes, I would like to enter studio. Apparently, the guys are having trouble getting in with the link I sent them. So now I'm going to have to. Resend it through my phone because again I'm on my wife's uh, tablet and it just ain't working. So that wasn't hard to figure out. But, oh, hold on, man, this is a great show so far. I'm killing it. Just so you know. Um, hold on. Uh, invite guest copy. And then Facebook Messenger. Where is Mark and Will? Copy and paste. Send. All right, let's see if that works. Oh, crap. We got to turn that off. And oh, no, I don't want to end broadcast, dummy. This one in that. Okay. 
All right, so there's Dave back. All right, here we go. Hold on. Add to stream. Come on. Oh, I can't stand this desktop thing. All right. I broke the internet. <laughs> Hold, on. Hold on. Here we go. Good Lord. Hey, if you guys want a professional show, this is not the one to be watching. All right, come on. Add to stream. Here comes Paralife. Add to the stream. Okay. Are we getting going here? And will. Add to stream. Yeah. All right. Rough, you back? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Who, man, you want to talk about a shit, uh, shooty show? <laughs> oh, good lord. I did mention, Will, you and Mark were busy because you were making your payment to Mark to stay at the Paralife Ranch Mansion House. So, oh, there's that away. Say that again. I said we were tuning and the time got away from us. Are you guys sitting close together? Because one of you, I can hear an echo. Yeah. Can you hold on? We'll be right back. <laughs> oh. Will, you mute. Mark's muted. You mute. Okay. All right. So we should be good now. All right. All right, Mr. Ruff, you were saying, sir. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm reading the comments, and uh, Shane's Planet Shane actually brings up a good issue. Paying for damages is a moral issue, not a PP issue, though they definitely are related, overlap. I disagree. Why do we carry car insurance? Is it a moral issue if you hit somebody to pay for it? No, you're required to have insurance and pay for those damages. You turn around, you go to a fly-in, and your equipment's not working, which is not even relevant in this point, but you, you damage somebody's equipment. Is it a moral issue or is it you put yourself into that situation and you took somebody else's equipment out? Do you pay for it? I'd say most people would. If I, if, if I was in the situation where, which I wouldn't ever be in, but if it came out to be my fault, I'm going to let you know, Hey, listen, I'm going to fix your stuff, replace your stuff, whatever is fair, but it's going to take me a while. I'm not going to not, message you back or get in contact with you and just act like I didn't see nothing. I think that's, yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so heated over this. You know, I, I was included in that when those messages were going out over the past two weeks, almost three weeks. And I actually reached out to the person and said, look, at least get in touch with the man, at least acknowledge him. Hey, yeah. You know what? I'm going through some hard times you know, whatever, you know, I'm not going to be able to cover it right now, but yeah, you know, let me, let me step up almost $800 worth of damage. And, and it was a brand spanking new wing, you know, now let me also cover too. And I've, I've told Cole this too. I don't think Cole had uh, any, well, I'm going to cover Cole. <laughs> I don't think Cole had any business flying there. I really don't mean me neither. Um, he, he was very low time, but it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. And, you know, look, guys, and again, Shane's Planet brings up a, a good point. Yeah, it's it's a, a issue of morality. Well, I propose, you know, let's say, you know, we'll fly. Let's say we're at a fly-in, I take off, and I misjudge my takeoff roll, and I get just barely off the ground, and my trike, you know, prop sucks your wing in, and I chop it up, and, you know, off I go. Whose fault is it? Is it your fault for leaving the, the wing on the ground or is it my fault for 
you know, plowing through and not aborting the takeoff. I would say it's mine because I didn't abort the takeoff. I didn't have a clear runway. Although you flight, you know, you, you foot launchers like setting up in front of us, so you probably deserve it anyway. Wait, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. You guys have to sit there and get your GPS right, your radio station right, your air conditioning, just the right temperature. Um, cup holder, make sure your onboard coffee is at temperature. I don't know what and, the hell. And figure out what state we're in and call our girlfriend, one of three girlfriends in that state to get them in the front seat. I don't, so don't want to hear about it. And let's not forget about the 10 minute startup process, the warming up process. Let me, hey, while, I, while there's 16 guys standing behind me holding their motors up, let me make sure my tire pressure is good. <laughs> Jesus. You know, and this is why we just pull our wing up taxi around everybody and, and go take off. But, you know, my, my point is, is that you, you at any point, you know, they, they say accidents in aviation happen in a series of three mistakes. And I say that, that damaging somebody's gear is not only a decision-making thing, but it's a series of mistakes that lead you to that event. It's not the guy that I just chopped his wing up. It's not him necessarily. I guess you could say, well, maybe he shouldn't have been there. But it's, it, it comes down to me making that mistake, and therefore I should probably step up and make that person whole. Um, Why can't it be both? You know, uh, uh, both from a legal standpoint and a morality standpoint. I mean, so not everybody's moral compass is the same. So I think that's kind of why it needs to be both. You know, for me, I wouldn't have to be held legally responsible to want to replace or repair or whatever it took to make that person whole who I damaged, you know. So I, it might be a little of both. It, and, you know, it could be. I, I still stand a little more on the side of it's, it's pilot's responsibility. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just what's instilled in me. Maybe that's what I feel what's right. I just, I don't, I think that if I were to go to a flying and, and God forbid, I don't damage anybody's equipment, but I would at least at that point, if I can't cover it then and there, give them my wing, do something. I would at least acknowledge it and say, Hey, look, it is what it is. It sucks, but I'm going to make you whole in that because you know, it, it was me that, that caused that damage through whatever, yep. you know, whatever circumstance. And that includes if I'm rolling down the runway and you've got some trike or foot launch coming at me from the side and I've got to abort a turn to avoid a collision and I run over your wing. Well, you know, I put myself into that situation. You know, I'm still there. It, it, to me, it's, it's very clear. It's like driving a car. It doesn't necessarily matter who's at fault. You know, that's why you have insurance. But in this, I think it matters who's at fault. Um, and I also think it really matters when, when you ghost somebody and just don't even acknowledge it. I mean, what, what, what? Yeah. It, well, we're saying right. the same thing, Dave. We're, we're saying the same thing. I'm, I be, I'm with you. It's the, it's the pilot who does the damages of responsibility, but I mean, some people's moral compass isn't, you know, the bar is not quite as high as maybe yours is or mine is or whatever. Someone who would step up and, and you know, yeah, I'm here for you. I messed up and I'm going to make it right. Um, so maybe the, I guess, I don't, I don't want to use the word the legal side of it because it's, 
I think that's the reason for the laws that we have with that insurance stuff is because not everybody is morally responsible. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And even then, I mean, let's face it, we're going to talk about car insurance real quick. They, the, car insurance never makes you whole. I, I went through that a couple of years ago in which a, a drunk driver, I hit him at 60 miles an hour. Clearly not my fault. I mean, no fault whatsoever. It was, it was a drunk driver. And when we got the insurance check, that money wouldn't replace the vehicle that I just totaled because of the drunk driver. Of course, no insurance, you know, no license, blah, blah, blah. It's a civil suit. And uh, I, I saw that mentioned. And, yeah, I, I honestly think it is a civil suit. Um, so, anyway, guys, you know, look, we, we all do this. This is just my opinion. Like me, hate me, disagree with me, whatever. My opinion in the matter is that if you go to a fly-in, you go to a flying field, you're flying with somebody other than yourself, and you do damage to somebody's equipment, including hitting a house or a car or anything else like that, you absolutely need to step up and pay for it. Period. End of story. Um, you know, it, it, it would be the same if you were flying a, a fixed wing. It would be the same if you are flying a, a quicksilver, you know, ultralight, a hang glider, a, a jet aircraft. You know, it's you, you are morally responsible. You are, in my my opinion, ethically responsible and financially responsible um, if you do that damage. Hey, real, real quick, Dave, I just want to show you a little something, something held on this for three years now. I have launched multiple marshmallows at my wife with this thing while camping. <laughs> just so you know, have you tried Nerf darts. No starts. No, Nerf darts. Oh, Nerf darts. I was like, no starts. That's usually when I hit her in the face with a marshmallow. There's no anything that night. Well, except for the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If, if you haven't used Nerf darts on those things, get yourself some Nerf darts. They fly better than marshmallows. All right. Well, when they're flaming marshmallows, it's more interesting. Yeah, then they stick. <laughs> <laughs> then it's not the couch. Then it's not the couch. It's outside. <laughs> oh no! It's probably jail time. There you go. All right, come on, computer. Uh, let's see. I believe his kill switch was broken for quite uh, quite some time. Yeah, I I can actually attest to that kill switch being broken for at least nine months, possibly even a year. Um, I know that for a fact, as an eyewitness, I saw it. Um, I was at other flying events with him, and his kill switch did not work. That's okay. Simple soldering. All right, here we go. Oh, man, this both my laptops will have taken a crap tonight, and I'm on my wife's tablet, so everything is horrible. So I must apologize to you, Will, and to... Uh, Mr. Ruff there. And no, and I guess I guess I guess all the chatters too. So yeah, did you did you you're fine, Shane? I mean, What's you that? Sound, you sound fine. Even in the chat, they're like, why is Shane echoing? I let me try this. We did that last time when last I was, time on, when I was too. on too. Oh wow. What's that? Worse or better? I didn't hear that echo. It's it's it was worse and you know for a second and then it got back to the same which was okay. So, so is it worse or better now? The echo. It's the same. 
Well, hell, I can barely hear you now, so I put my earbuds back in. I thought maybe it was the earbuds. Oh, Angela, Angela, Angela. I, I, I have to cover that. Angela says, yes, James, understand, but he pays for a flying. He should be given the benefit of flying, and don't most newbies announce they're beginners? In this case, I thought others were alerted. Um, unfortunately not. When you're at a fly-in and you've got, you know, even 10, 15 pilots, um, you know, unless they know each other, nobody knows that somebody's new, no, not at all. And in this event that we had gone to, there were probably every bit of a hundred and 150, maybe 200 pilots. Um, it, a fly-in and Angela, you know, you, you really need to come out to flying circus. I, I was actually kind of depressed you weren't there. I mean, those those two guys, I mean, they're good guys, but not nearly as cute as you are. Um, you, you need to come out and witness a flying and just see the, the amount of, of motion and what's going on. Nobody knows somebody's new and every instructor, and we'll cover this here soon on the instructor side of things, every instructor that I've ever talked to when people are talking about going to flying circus or any of these big events, say, look, don't fly your first time. Just go there, see what's going on until mm -hmm. you get some flight time under your belt. Because so many things happen so fast, people cutting in front of you, wake turbulence, having to pay attention to a pilot, you know, that's that's 30 seconds out in front of you, seeing where his flight path is, because the time you get there, you're going to get hit, you know, by wake. Uh, coming into land with people taking off and landing all at the same time, wind moving, you know, all over the place, dust, I mean, just a myriad of things that are going on that you're literally having to manage um, quite a few things. You know, all at the same time, unless you can just get up and get out. You know, once you're out, you, you still have to take a look around, of course. But when you get within a half mile of that flying, you know, event, it's it's a nightmare. Um, things happen. Yeah, and all that's happening while you're close to the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it is just Angela. Absolutely. Come out next year to uh, to flying circus. In fact, I'm going to be lighting the big main fire with a fire arrow. Uh, next year it's already been planned um and come out and hang out and and check it out and if you want i'll take you up on the tandem we'll we'll go up at a fly-in and you can see how busy it is it, it's just it's nuts okay so we've gotten that pretty much covered i'm ready for trike to go <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, if I could, I would, but I can't post the paramotors joke, and I want to. I got a joke for tonight. Can you post his when you're done with yours? I don't know. I'm on this, uh, dude. I'm on this tablet oh, thing. Right. And, well, I don't have yeah. the privilege. I don't have the. Uh, Why not your co-host? Yeah. Well, the way I had to log in for some reason, it's different here. All right. So where where is Peter Pan's favorite place to eat out? Wendy's. Wendy's. <laughs> I that, honestly, I didn't know the joke. I was like Peter Pan, Wendy. <laughs> there we go. There you go. I just got it. No but, one said it had to be good. It was just a joke. <laughs> okay, so Lift Paramotor says that he doesn't call it chicken salad. He calls it breast and plants. Ah, nice. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, man. I like that. that. 
<laughs> oh, geez. That is really that's funny, isn't it? I like it. I like it a lot. That that was good. I like so that. okay, okay, so so then I got a question for you, Dave. So if you're at a fly-in, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but if you're at a fly-in and you're flying with these people, you don't know these people, you either gonna assume that they're brand new or they're expert. So what would you what would you assume? There are two types of people at fly-ins I stay away from unless I personally know them. Um, and that is an expert and that is a newbie. In, in my opinion, they're both just as dangerous. Mm-hmm. One is unpredictable and the other one is way more unpredictable. Um, I remember when, when I took lessons back in 2016... Uh, I took, that's when I did foot launch and I did free flight. And one of my instructors said something very profound to me was, as you go forward, your first 50 flights, first 100 flights, however many you get in that first year are going to be reasonably safe because you're still new. You still respect the, the rules of, of, you know, the, the checklist, you know, getting off the ground, you know, getting altitude, not, you know, turning too low to the ground. <clears throat> for most people, the first 50 flights, are usually not anything under 100, maybe 50 feet. But as you get through that first year, that's when you start com- becoming complacent. You know, that's, that's when things become, oh, been here, done that. I've got experience. I know how to control that wing. And that's where we start flying low. And that's where power lines come into play. Um, and then we start going to fly-ins and we're like, oh, everybody's taking off. I'm going to get into the air. And we don't think about wake turbulence. We don't think about people pulling acro right over main stage. We don't think about, you know, people just turning and, and doing all sorts of weird stuff. And that's where we're going to get hurt. And in my opinion, the after the first year to about the second or third year, that's where you're going to get hurt. And then after you get past that and you start becoming that expert where you can really fly, maybe you've gotten into acro or, or whatever, that's where you're probably going to hurt somebody else. And you may not ever be aware that you did it. You may pull a, a barrel roll center stage, you know, 200 foot off the ground. Meanwhile, somebody's flying through, hits that wake turbulence, gets a, a partial collapse and pile drives, or maybe even recovers and scares the hell out of them. And you're not even aware that you did it. Um, so long answer short, the two people that scare the hell out of me are newbies and experts. And when I fly, unless I'm, I know those people, I fly and get the hell out. I get the hell away from people. Um, I'm not an acro pilot. I'm not a formation pilot. You know, I'm, I'm somebody that's going to get out and go long maybe, you know, or at least go enjoy a flight and, and not have to worry about what's around me. So basically, right. just, you don't know the person, stay away from them. Yeah, unless I know them, you know, if, you know, I know you guys, you know, if, if we're on the ground, you know, and hey, you know, tomorrow we're going to go fly. Hey, let's do a wing bump. Yeah, the conditions are great. Let's do it. You know, or hey, let's go do a cross country and we may be flying, you know, 100, 150 feet in formation going someplace. Um, but never, never, never with somebody that I don't know um, or that I haven't talked to, that I haven't sat down and had a cold drink with, that, you know, I haven't maybe flown with them before or flown around them. Um, 
I just I I I just don't do it. Um, it, it's just it's I, too risky. I I myself when I go to fly-ins, I try to be within the first dozen people to take off in the morning or the first dozen people in the afternoon. One, it's less crowded, and two, you have less chance of running into into anybody if you're within the first dozen people in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm usually that wind dummy as well. Um, yeah, I'm usually the first someone's got to do it. Yeah. I'm not doing a wind dummy. I'm doing the keep avoiding from colliding with anybody. I've watched people get ready to launch and everyone's coming in to land because it's almost dark. I'm like, how in the world are you going to go take a flight? It's a 10-minute flight. Why? Everyone's coming in behind you and you're setting the wing up. To get in oh, cute winds. Probably because the wind is nil or one or two, and they're not comfortable getting up in wind. <sighs> That's just to me. It's just it gives me the heebie-jeebies when I watch that. I'm just waiting for an inflation and someone coming in to land, and it's just a whole process in my head. That's one of the reasons why I first put a strobe on my foot launches, and now now all my trikes have them, is so I could get up a half hour before sunrise. And I can stay up a half hour after sunset because ain't nobody going to fly during those times. Um, and for me, if I want to do a sunset flight, it's very easy for me to get up, you know, an hour and a half before, two hours before sun, you know, set and go fly and, and wait until the sun goes down and then come in after. But usually I'm, I'm usually the first person up, the first person down, and then I go get a cold drink in my lawn chair and watch people break props. I mean, that's, that's what I do. I, I think it's just the funnest thing in the world. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and going back to, again, fly-ins, you know, Angela brings up a good point. Well, he paid his money. He should be able to fly. Yeah, he should, but is it smart to, and, and Angela, I'm not calling you out. I, I love you, sweetheart. I really do. But those events like that are just not the place unless you are a seasoned pilot. And I'm talking 50, a hundred flights minimum. Um, you know, getting into some wind, you know, some bump tolerance, some, some, you know, good decision-making, you know, altering, you're coming in for final and having to power out or, or maybe do a crosswind landing, um, because you're trying to get out of the way of somebody. Um, you know, one of the rules is that landing pilots have right away over takeoff, but here's the thing. The landing pilots are coming in from behind you as I'm getting ready to take off and I'm looking you know, okay, I don't see anybody. I start to inflate that wing, and all of a sudden, I've got a pilot right here. Yeah, technically, I'm supposed to shut down. He's got it right away. And and people don't. They force that takeoff, and they come up off sideways and all sorts of weird ways and, you know, almost collisions. And it, hey, Dave. To me. Hey, Dave, we're 35 minutes into it. We need to get into the other subject. Yeah, let's do that. All right, guys. I'm gonna take the uh, the hand or the gloves off on this one. Watch, so, watch this. Hold on, hold on. Watch this. I'm still with you, man. Um, if anybody used to watch me, you know, back when I used to do After Dark, they saw a show one night in which I went off on an instructor that we'll uh, we'll refer to as the uh, I don't even know how to refer to him. Uh, the captain, I guess. Captain in his own damn mind. Um, I took on some students last week. And one of the students that I took on, both of them came from 
uh, Captain Kirk's class down in Florida. One of them was able to be with me. The other one had to cancel out. It's going to go through in May. And uh, as I was teaching this guy, you know, I, I always ask all the questions, you know, okay, so you're starting lessons, uh, you want to retraining, so what do you know? Do you know how to kite? Do you know how to forward? Do you know how to reverse? What are we doing? Are we doing foot launch? Are we doing trike? You know, the whole gambit. <clears throat> so I can kind of get a feel for, you know, what we need to really work on with the student. Because retraining sometimes can be real tough because you got to learn bad habits. The only praise that I will give Captain Kurt in any of this is that he doesn't freaking teach anything as far as for kiting or anything. So there's no bad habits to undo. So Kurt, good job on that one. So as I was talking to the student, he was telling me about his friend who I'm training in, uh, in May that was supposed to be there, had to cancel out. And he said, yeah, he went up right behind me. And he flew off the ground and within seconds went into the fog. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, he took off. And I was like, how many seconds? He goes, I don't know, two, three, four seconds. He was off the ground into the fog. And I was like, what? So he told me this whole story of this, this pilot, his friend, the guy that's going to be here next month, taking off, being launched into fog, disappearing into the fog, and flying around, being talked to by Captain Kurt, and landed. And I was like, okay, this is a, a secondhand story, you know, I'll take it for what it's worth. But the keynotes was he disappeared into fog, completely couldn't see him. They were standing right next to Captain Kurt, couldn't see him, only could hear him. Said when he powered down, we could barely even hear him there. And there's obstacles going, you know, up. I don't remember if he said they were going up into the fog, but there were obstacles, right? You know, as you come out of the fog, that you, there's obstacles. And the whole time, Captain's saying, oh, don't worry, I can see you. I can see you. Don't worry about it. I can see you. And this guy landed. So that night, I called this other student, the guy that actually made the flight. And I said, tell me what happened. You know, this is what I heard. You're not in trouble. I'm, I'm just more curious. What, what happened? He said, oh, yeah. He took off disappeared in the fog he said david i went up into the fog and i couldn't see the ground i was like no ground contact whatsoever as far as you couldn't see it no i couldn't see the ground i couldn't see anything it was all white and i'm like oh and he goes yeah you know he was on my headset talking me down and and eventually i landed and and that was it and i'm like oh i was like ever teach him how to kite and he goes no he just launched us you know the, the wing came up and actually when the wind came up, it came up sideways. And when he came off the ground, he was already in a pendulum. So he was penduluming into the fog. Now, I'm not the best in airspace rules. I'm really not. In fact, I go to Kyle a lot to ask questions. And I've asked Jeff Goyne questions. And Jeff Goyne can do the one or two minute airspace rules. But if I recall correctly, in Class G airspace, you can fly clear clouds with one mile visibility, lateral visibility out there. You have to have one mile and clear of clouds, which means that in class G, we can fly up to 800 feet and sometimes even 1200 feet. And I think that's an E rule. I have to double check. Again, I'm not good on airspace, but I know in class G airspace, we can go to 800 feet, clear of clouds, one mile visibility. And that's how we fly next to these clouds and get these, these beautiful flights sometimes when everything is right. But if I recall correctly in class G airspace, at no time are you ever, ever, ever allowed to fly into the clouds, ever. In fact, no airspace rule 
unless you're VFR and a fixed-wing pilot in general aircraft, or I'm sorry, IFR in, in general aircraft, are you ever allowed to enter the clouds? So Captain Kurt, and I hope somebody in, in, in the, the chat is friends with him. Captain Kurt, with all due respect, you're a freaking idiot. Launching somebody into the fog. Oh, I had eyes on him. No, you didn't. Because my student who was standing next to you, his wife who was standing right next to you, didn't have visual on this pilot. And he's coming in next month, and I'm going to get a deposition from him. I'm getting a deposition from my, my student, and I've gotten depositions from other people I have trained that you have trained. Because one day, sir, you're going to kill somebody. And when you do, I'm going to make sure whether it's in Ohio or Florida or wherever you teach, I'm going to call that local DA and I'm going to give all these depositions of people that, that went to the hospital. Oh, you know, like the guy that, that really hurt his, his ankle and he said, okay, next. And he went on to the next guy as this guy is writhing in pain. And then the next guy that went up was sent to the freaking hospital. And you say, oh, well, you know, we've never had any accidents. BS. I've got depositions that prove differently from the very people you taught. So when you hurt somebody or you kill somebody, Captain Kurt, I will be there, dude. Launching a new pilot, no flight experience, first flight, doesn't even know how to kite his wing, up into fog, low clouds. You're an asshole. And that's all I got to say about that. I will be there when you hurt somebody. I will make sure the DA knows. And you will go down for at least manslaughter, dude. Because you need to stop instructing. But here's what you can do. And this is where I like to think that I'm fair and anybody that knows me that I'm fair. You can stop this BS. You can start people teaching people how to kite. Oh, well, you don't need to know how to kite because you're flying a trike. No, you do need to know how to kite. Kiting is flying, man. It teaches you what your wing's going to do. Oh, well, they don't need to learn reverse kite. No, trikes really don't really need to learn how to reverse kite. I know how to do it, and if I've got a, a pendulum or a, a caster wheel, I can actually reverse kite a trike, turn back around, and go. But you know what reverse kiting does? It allows that pilot to be able to kite in higher winds so they can get to know that wing because the day that you stop kiting is the day that you should probably stop flying. So, Kurt, with all due respect, man, let's take it down a level or two. Why don't you start teaching? Seriously, man. Stop pulling people's wings up. Stop launching them into questionable position or questionable wind or, I'm sorry, questionable weather. I know you don't launch anybody if the wind's blowing at all. Start launching them into five, six mile per hour wind. Let them get that bump tolerance. Because if you keep up on this, you're going to end up killing somebody, and I'm going to be right there like white, white on rice, like stink on shit. I'm going to make sure the DA and the judge have all that information. So anybody that's in this chat that's friends with them, you make sure you give them the timestamp. And Kurt, you want to start calling me and making threats like you did with uh, Foot Flyer and all that, that other, which is all over the Internet, by the way. People can read all about it. Then you, you go ahead and get my number. You make that, that call. Please do it. Because I will use that as well, man. And if you want to show up at a flying and threaten me and stuff like that, go for it. Nobody in this chat may like me. Maybe they do. But I'll guarantee you, man, I'll guarantee you, you will go out of that meeting in cuffs. Push me. So that's what I got to say about that. And these instructors that do this type of crap, same. 
They need to be taken out, taken out of the game. Stop teaching. Because one of these days, somebody's going to kill somebody, and the FA is going to take notice. I, mm-hmm. I saw uh, a Dell comment up there. I didn't read the comment, but I saw Dell's name. Between Captain Kurt and, and, and Super Dell, I would rather send somebody to, to Super Dell because at least they know how to kite. They know how to fly. Dell, in my opinion, and, and I'm no fan of Dell whatsoever. I think he's got a mouth on him. I think he's narcissistic. I think he's socialistic, and I think he's dangerous. But at least the man knows how to fly. At least he knows how to teach his students how to fly. You, Kurt? No. Story so, after story uh, after story. Isn't, isn't Superdell teaching off the beach? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, look, I, I don't know a lot about Dell. I've never met him. I, 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 have, I have not either. I just asked when I had after dark. When I had Go after ahead. dark, I actually invited Dell and Kurt to come on. I'm going to ask real quick, <clears throat> real questions, but I'll be fair. And they never, never took me up on it. As far as I know, <clears throat> on the beach, which is a real problem because, yeah, you can kite for eight hours a day and they become superb kiters. I mean, they're good at what they do. But when you move them inland, you see more Dell students fail on inland flying, trying to kite because now all of a sudden there's thermals and, and rotor and, and everything else and they, they can't do it. Um. Well, I'm not going to say they can't do it. A lot of them fail at doing it until they start getting used to flying inland. Well, the other the other host of the show who, because of the computer thing, they're having a little issue back there. Um, Mark went to a place in Texas. I actually know the name of the school, but that's not the point. Um, and he kited all day long on the beach. But then he came back to Georgia, outside of Atlanta, and now you've got a launch where there isn't a steady wind. There isn't, you know, just sit, pull your wing up and it'll just stay there. Um, and Mark had a, a bunch of issues starting out. And I'm speaking for Mark just because of what he told me. I may be a little bit wrong on this, but he did have some issues. And when he came back to fly at home, he had to learn pretty much all over again due to the fact that there wasn't steady wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been at the beach. The beach will spoil you. And anybody that has ever learned inland and has never gone for a beach flight, go, go for the weekend. Mm-hmm. The beach will spoil you. It is so much fun. You can sit there and, and kite. And get down on your back and, and kite with your toes and kite with your hands and drink a beer and, and just have a great time. It is so much fun. And the flying's a lot of fun. But I'll tell you, when you move back inland, or if you've ever been taught on the beach, the first time you fly inland and start taking rotor and little microthermals and stuff, you're like, what the hell? The wing, the wing just, you know, you're like, well, why is the wing doing that? So, you know... Again, I'm I'm no fan of Captain Kurt. I'm no fan of, of Del Shanzi. But between the two of them, in my humble opinion, I would rather see somebody get trained by, by Del. And I'm not endorsing him. I'm not. But at least his pilots know how to fly. At least Del knows how to fly. He does some stupid stuff. Stupid, stupid stuff. But Kurt 
is is going to hurt somebody. And when he does, I'm putting him on notice. Again, if there's anybody in chat that's friends with him or, or whatever, you hey, put uh, him on notice. Do you know, do you know Lift Paramotor? Do he, I what? He, right. Do you know Lift Paramotor? Oh, okay, he's the, in North Carolina. Yeah, he's in North, he's out of North Carolina. I yeah, think that's a really lived, good uh <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. I I'm up for that call and actually lift I'm in North Carolina, uh in the Charlotteville area every year for for at least a couple weeks and we can get together and, and sit down and talk and even fly. I typically actually don't bring flying equipment in North Carolina. I did once or twice and they closed the field and I just don't bring equipment. Um but yeah, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to do some name dropping here. I actually, before the show, about three or four days ago, I called Noah, um, president of the USPPA, and said, you know, dude, th this is what I'm going to do. And I, I don't want to come off on either issue like I have an agenda, because I don't. I mean, it really comes down to it as far as for the first issue of damaging somebody's equipment. I've got no dog in the fight. I really don't. I really don't care one way or another. But I also see it as if you damage somebody's equipment, especially if you're doing something stupid and then double down on equipment that's not working properly, maybe you ought to step up. And then to third top it, to, to just ghost the guy, it, it, it's dumb. And somebody, I mean, look, he's a new pilot. You know, us, us seasoned guys sometimes just need to step up and say something. You know, I, I even thought of, of getting you know, Tucker or Judson or somebody to speak up about it. Yeah, this, this guy has damaged equipment. It was a brand new wing. He's, he's $750, $800 worth of damage now with a repaired wing. And there's nothing wrong with a repaired wing, but why should he have to fly it? It was brand new. Yeah, I've, I've thought about bringing those guys in, you know, to, to talk about it, maybe do a fundraiser, which I doubt they'll do. I mean, they, they've got so many other things on their plate. But, you know, we as a community, as older pilots, our more seasoned pilots and stuff like that, really need to protect our younger pilots, both from themselves, but also from other people that, that you know, may smash into them and then walk away. And, and for what? You know, it's we need to come together as a community, like Lyft said, and these instructors, and come together and, and write our own rules. Because if we don't, the FAA is going to write them for us. And if the FAA intercepts us and we've already been talking about rules, we can actually then say, hey, you know what? We've got a bunch of rules here that we've been wanting, you know, trying to self-impose. Can we work with you and be in a much better position? And I got, I got a suggestion go real quick, Dave. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so I'm doing my flying in June, um, and I've got to pay liability insurance. So if you get a pilot that shows up to a fly-in that you know damn well is not a responsible flyer, I mean, if something happens because of this pilot, now your liability insurance next year is going to be even more. So now you got to just start charging more for pilot fees. Not only that, but if you knowingly let that person fly at your event and he hurts or kills somebody... It's not only the liability side of things. Maybe the FAA steps in, but your own conscience has to live with that because you yeah. knew about it. Yeah. So you know, I don't. I don't want to see anybody ever get banned from a fly-in or anything else like that. But there comes a point that if you drunk drive too many times, they take your damn license away. Yep. If you know, if you shoot a gun, 
and and there's something downrange too many times the police will take your gun away you know if if you do something that that purposely harms or reckless endangerment of of somebody or something eventually there are consequences do i want to see this person get banned from flying not particularly but at the same time the next time could be worse yeah you know what do you do what do you do um and that's the same thing with with captain you know kurt as well and that's why i said and i'm gonna say it for a third time anybody in that chat that knows him is watching to see what i'm gonna say or anything else like that you timestamp my ramp my ramp and captain i'm gonna say it again you can timestamp this one when you hurt somebody especially when you kill somebody I am going to the DA with all these depositions from these pilots that you've trained. And I'm going to make sure that DA has it. And boy, yeah, we'll see what the law is going to do because you're going to hurt somebody. Well, you've already hurt people. You know, they, they've crashed, hurt their ankle. Okay, next, next person went up, went to the hospital. I know you know exactly what I'm talking about, Kurt. Don't, don't, don't. Don't threaten. Just, just straighten it out. Just straighten it out, man. You know, um, Angela said that uh, she she really likes uh, true talk or straight talk or whatever. And this right here, it, it is straight talk. And it's also called no filter. self-regulating. You know, that's what we're doing right here. We're, we're, we're bringing up the hard topics and, and we're discussing them. So it's healthy. Because the yeah. thing is, when I first started, I... I did a search on the internet for paramotor training and guess which two came up, you know, and I didn't know any different. And if I was just, if I just went by what those guys were saying, it'd be like, well, man, yeah, sign me up, you know? So I think that again is why it's so important to get hooked up with a local group of people. But here's, here's another thing, Dave, and this, I just thought about that. I bet you a lot of people when, they go to, uh, you know, start the training process or find out about schools or where to learn. I bet they do the same thing and they search the Internet. So I wonder if the USPPA could do something to where, you know, they they kind of get into that search result thing and uh, you know, start here. And I've got, like they've got a list of trainers, I think, on the website. So one of the things that my students said the other day when we were training, he said, I didn't know any better. So I, I got up online and started searching. Look, in 2016, I did the same thing. I got up online and you know who I, I ran into first was Del Shanzi. And I watched all his videos. I think I, and to this day, I still think his camping videos where he flies up in the mountains and camps with his, with his sons is one of the most touching, beautiful videos that he does when he keeps his mouth shut um i mean cool i was like hey i want to do that i want to fly in the mountains and land up top and go camping or land in the backwoods shoot an elk and bring it out with a, a big giant you know paramotor um you know that type of stuff and as i got to watch more and more of them i was like whoa this guy's mouth is really kind of a turn off i'm not going to deal with him and i saw <laughs> captain kurt I was like, oh, my God, free free training? Yes. And this is what my student said. He didn't know any better. And he said, I really wasn't looking for anything free. 
but free training, okay, you know. And and I see it all the time where where a bunch of people go, well, you know, two thousand's too much, three thousand's too much, four thousand's too much. Yeah, you know, I I charge two thousand if you've got your gear. I could charge twenty five hundred if you don't. I'm on the low spectrum because I'm not in this for a living. I I just take the money and, and put it back into the farm on the one or two, three students I, I have a year because they all go down to, to Kyle's. And and I think that's great. And I keep current going down to Kyle's and helping, you know, teach and, and things like that. And actually, I need to go back to Florida and take some recurrent stuff. Actually, I did for one day when I was in, uh, in Arizona with Noah's class. You know, look you're going to pay a hundred to $200 an hour for a wet aircraft. And then you also got instructor fees and things like that and get up into the general aviation. This is the cheapest flight that you could ever do. And I see people on these boards saying, Hey, do you think that a Briggs and Stratton engine will work if I bend some tubing and build this machine? Maybe, maybe not. But do you think maybe you ought to learn how to fly and put a couple of years under your belt before you started experimenting? You know, I just saying, um, oh, well, you know, I want to get cheap equipment on eBay and go fly it. Yeah, I did that. Here's my hand. Yeah, I did that. I, I bought a cheap Blackhawk 172. When I got it, the, the case was, was unscrewed, and we had to put it all back together, and, and I ended up soloing it. I thought it was a deal for 2500 and it was, until we had to put all the work into it. You know, guys, anybody that's watching this now or later, and you want to learn how to fly and get into the sport and stuff like that, Here's what I tell my students. Look, you can buy a used motor. Just get with me and, and I'll make sure that it's a decent motor before you buy it. When it comes to a wing, I, rep, or I recommend a brand new wing because at least you know where it's been. And as far as for instruction, anywhere from $2,000 to $4,000 is probably what you're going to pay for instruction. But when you go to that instructor, you ask them, hey, what do you teach? Do you teach the... Um, the FAA rules, part 103. Do they teach weather? Do they teach good decision-making? Do they teach you how to kite? Do they teach you how to taxi? You know, all these things that, that you know, these, these instructors, most of them teach it. Some of them don't. Make sure that you're getting the full gambit of everything. And if you've got to pay an extra couple thousand dollars to do it, by God, do it. Comes down to the whole, well, you know, I'll self-teach. I've never been a, a, an advocate of self-teaching, but you know what? There are some really good friends of mine that self-taught, and they're really good pilots, and there's some other friends of mine that self-taught, and they ended up going to an instructor. I guess it really depends on the person. What's your life worth? That's, you know, as Kyle says, you know, yeah, I've when, watched. When, the motor, when the motor goes out, you're flying the wing. Make sure the wing's new. But what's your life worth as far as for what you don't know? I mean, how many guys you know that are self-taught that have spent more money on damaged equipment to replace it that they could have gone to school and saved that money on that? Lyft Paramotor just made a, a great comment. David, I think instructors need to raise their rates and start uh, taking instruction more seriously. Yeah, and, and that's what the USPPA and the ASC are doing. There's set standards that we have to go through. Um I think I ended up taking, and don't quote me on this, but I think it was 10 or 11 tests on the USPPA side. And it was, it was three days of instruction and, and teaching uh, Kyle Mooney and Travis uh, Burns how to fly. 
for the ASC, you know, where you're actually in there. And, you know, as far as for reoccurring training and stuff like that, I'd, I'd really say that I guess it depends on how often you're training. You get some, some trainers out here that are training, you know, eight, nine, ten students a month. And it's, they have a curriculum and they stick with it. And, and these people are good at it. Do they need retraining? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Hey, uh, hey, Dave Ruff, I'd like you to meet Austin from Lift Paramotor. Austin? Hey, Austin. How you doing? Hey. Good. I wanted, to, I wanted to get on here and just kind of um, help give some input and stuff like that. Nothing specific, but good deal. Good deal. Well, I, you know, I, I think there definitely needs to be a, a coming together of ASC and USPPA, and I think that we need rules in place. Do people have to follow them? No, they don't. Do people have to have memberships? No, no, they don't. But we all do need to, to fight, you know, to follow a, a, a paramotor Bible of, you know, thou shall not do or thou shall do, you know, at all times to keep us out of trouble. I think that the two organizations personally need to get together and start putting paperwork down and start presenting it to these pilots and especially these these promoters of these fly-ins. Um, one of the things that drive me nuts at, at fly-ins is you got people taking off and landing all in the same area within you know a, a couple hundred feet of each other. Why are we not flying people out or letting them land in front of us and and flying them out? You know, letting them take off. You know, so they're they're not you know, constantly coming near each other. Why are we not inspecting equipment? I saw somebody say, yeah, they, they thought Dave Wolf was going to go ahead and inspect uh, this person's equipment if they show up. I actually told Dave Wolf, and Dave Wolf is one of my best friends. He's my brother, man. He and I have conversations. He and I fight like brothers. He and I agree like brothers. We love each other. I told Dave Wolf, no, don't just inspect him, inspect everybody. Yeah. Why are we not putting a sticker on the motor? And why are we not putting a sticker on the wing? Um, and he said, well, there's not enough people to do it. Well, then make people ask for volunteers. Yeah. You know, why are we not doing this stuff? Why are we not holding <clears throat> instructors accountable? You know, how in the hell is Kurt Fister still getting people? How? It's well, when, when I first started looking at this sport and looking at schools, Kurt was my first pick because of the free training if I bought the gear there and now I'm looking between 2500 and 3500 to go to school and I still had to buy my gear and I was like well I get free training and if I just saved myself 2500 3500 dollars that's why luckily I happened this is no joke I happened to be at my at work some guy drove by in a paramotor with uh, in the back of his truck I left work Followed this guy to his work, asked him some couple questions, and he's like, "Oh, I went to Four Winds uh, PPG over in Avon, or yeah, Avon Park, and that's where I went." Yeah. That that free instruction is so luring, mm-hmm. and when you're looking at a trike, both these guys that I'm training um, are are trike pilots. They both have trikes. They both bought them. You know, obviously they're this poor guy. I pulled out my old. Uh, my old tandem trike, you know, I, I ended up getting a Zenit um, Premier, and I've got the uh, Flash Cruiser with a 250 rider, you know, et cetera, et cetera, tandem. And he looked at that, and he's like, why, why didn't I wait? You know, 
he that's how he lures. Um, somebody had just made a, a mention. I just saw two names because I've mentioned Kyle. Listen, Lone Star, awesome school. Love those people. Uh, One Up Adventures, oh my God, love those people. I, I'm not here to promote anybody. I'm not. But you can find these schools that that absolutely teach you everything you need to know. Might actually save your life. Yeah, I think I think there's just such a huge, huge, huge lack of good instruction. Um, I think that partly because there's there's just so much competition in this sport with with uh, schools and instructors and people trying to sell gear. I think that people really just want to make the buck. And I think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to they're they're looking at volume and they're just trying to feed people through as quick as possible and they're okay right they might be teaching somebody how to fly but they're not teaching people the theory behind aviation in general and i think that that's a big a big a big problem one of the things i've seen actually lone star do i've seen one adventure do it kyle and i do it and and again, I I teach maybe one to four or five students a year. I mean, I rarely teach, um, just because I'm I'm busy with my other stuff. But if I'm if I'm busy, I send them to Kyle or I send them to Lone Star. You know, they're they're both you know reasonably local to me. Uh, Kyle's done the same thing with me. He sent me trike pilots. You know, I've seen uh, One Up. You know, do the same thing. I've seen Lone Star do it. I mean, if if these instructors would stop saying, oh, my God, you know, there, there's $3,000, $4,000, plus I may end up getting equipment. You know, I, I need to fire people through. No, stop. You know what? Let's slow down a little bit. You know, I, I get overhead, guys. I do. I own my own business. I, I travel for a living. I'm, I'm in sales. That's what I do with bows and arrows. And I've tried doing 11 shows a year where I was out on that road for 10 months out of the year. And I cut it down to three, and I make more money now doing the three shows than I ever did doing the 11 because the product, a.k.a. the instruction, is so much more wholesome and so much more instructional that those people are taking that out saying, hey, go to this person because I learned everything that I need to learn. Instructors need to do the same thing. Hey, I'm glad I'm glad he came out from underneath that desk you were sitting at, Will. Yeah, he was finished. I, 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 I was going to say something, man. I... <laughs> oh, geez. You know, um, uh, who was it? I can't remember who, who mentioned it, but it was a good point that uh, both of those guys come up in the very, you know, at the very top when you do a search for paramotor training. I'm pretty sure they advertise, and it's really hard to distinguish between an advertised placement and just the regular Google search. But regardless, yeah, like like you, Shane, I mean, uh, Kurt was, was on the top of my list. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't go to Kurt, but um, I ended up going to a local guy. So that's why I'm thinking there might be something that uh, from an organization standpoint, they could, I don't know, do a little advertising or something to kind of put USPPA up on the list when someone does a search for paramotor training. Um, I can do that. And you know, the other way that you get rid of that is you do exactly what I've been doing now for two and a half years with Kurt, all these depositions, all these, these firsthand accounts of these students, either getting hurt or being launched into bad you know, stuff, whatever, a deposition of what the training was. 
so that when Kurt makes that final mistake and finally kills somebody, you're on the ball, you contact that state, you contact that district attorney, you say, hey, here's all the paperwork, and then all of a sudden that accidental death starts getting investigated and can absolutely turn into manslaughter. Maybe. That's how you, you combat these people. I'm sorry, but in my opinion, let me say that again, in my opinion, it's predatory what's, what's going on with that. It's absolutely predatory, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. So anybody that, that has ever had that type of training, you need to get word out, not just to me. Again, whatever. Get it out to other people. Talk about it. Write something on the Internet with his name in big fat letters so that search comes up. Um, there's some interesting stories about this dude. I mean, of, of threatening people, of, of doing all sorts of weird stuff. Um, I don't care what he's done in his personal life outside of Paramodin. I really don't. In fact, I had a, an argument with a guy just a couple days ago. And actually, he made some really good points. And, and we weren't friends before that. We're friends on, on Facebook now. I don't care what he's done in his personal but what he does within instruction and what he's doing with students, it needs to stop. Or he needs to change his ways and, and actually teach rather than just flying people up in the air and, oh, hey, rubber stamp, you're, you're flight junkie 2043,910. Nobody gives a crap how many people at the end of the day you've taught. Nobody cares. They care about the quality, not the quantity. That was Guardian Service dog who brought that, who made that that uh, statement. But you know what this is? Plain and simple. It's what we've all heard before. That what what affects one of us affects all of us, especially if it's negative. So yeah. Well, David, consider bringing back After Dark. Absolutely, positively, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, will Dave consider coming back on the show later? And. Uh, Hang out again. Less, oh, yeah. less, I, less excited. Yeah, here, here's a nice thing. <laughs> I and and yeah, I'll I'll mention Dave Wolf and 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 stuff like that. I think all of us from that era, to a lesser extent, miss getting online and talking about paramotoring and and interviewing people. But it came to a point to where. There was nobody else really left to interview except for repeat, repeat, repeat. And there was really no new ideas for us, for, for OPN and for After Dark, that, that we could really make the show exciting. And then you guys all came out and, and started new ideas in these new shows, which I, I think all of us enjoy watching when we can. But more importantly, really? we get to you enjoy them. You enjoy watching right now? Look at Will. That's nuts. You, you said you're going to give me 20 bucks for saying that, okay? <laughs> so, you know, like I said, man, and, and, and this could be Kurt, it could be Dell, it could be, I mean, hell, it could be Will Fly if he screws up. I've always been somebody that, that if I see something wrong, I'm going to say something. If I'm wrong, I am willing to admit it in front of everybody and apologize publicly, and I've done so. But at the same time, I'm willing to call the BS out for what it is. Because I care so much about this community. I love watching solos. Oh my God, I still get the, the jitters when somebody solos. I love it. 
I love launching off of mountains and, and launching into thermals. I love flying my trike and foot launching to a lesser extent. I love this sport. I love the people that are in it. And we may not all get along. We probably don't. But at least we share a passion within this. And I don't want to see governmental entities, just look how well that's happening right now, yeah. of getting involved with this. Because then what? Then we need licensing. Then your instructors have to take real classes, get real licenses, and guess what? Their price is going to start going up through the roof. They're going to start going $100 an hour to teach you. You know, these, these aircraft that we fly, they're going to have to start getting certified. Guess what? You're going to have to have an inspection station for that. They could go that way. And people are like, yeah. oh, Dave, they won't ever go that way. Really? Drones. That's what they did. And I, let me ask, let me ask Austin real quick. What's your opinion about uh, what Dave is saying? I mean, I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. I think that, you know, like I said before, I think just, uh, I think it really kind of all comes down to um, just better instruction overall. And I, and I think that it's not, um, it's not just learn, teaching people how to fly, you know, because it goes a lot farther than that. It's teaching, teaching the, um, I mean, the instructors ultimately are the future of the sport because that's where people come to start. The instructors, well, that are paramotor for beginners on Facebook, but um, <laughs> one or the other, right? I mean, it's it's you know, it's 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 where it's where people learn. It's where people build their foundation, and if we can teach them the proper ways to attend to flying in the proper ways to stay safe and the proper ways to um, adhere to just good ground etiquette and flying etiquette and, and so on. Um, I think that it, like I said, I, I really think that it, a lot of it comes down to the instructors. Um, I th you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, people make mistakes and people get complacent and um, people, it, I mean, yeah, it, it, it happens and it's going to happen, especially in this sport with the types of personalities that the sport commonly attracts. And, um, and it's, it's, it's going to happen, but I, I think if, if it, like, I, like I was saying before, I think if, if instructors could really come together and create some sort of guild to have some sort of standardized or some sort of common ground behind how we're how we're bringing the new 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 pilots into the world. I think it could really make a difference. Um, I mean, I think it would be I think it would be great to like be able to share uh, waivers and documents and, and share the things that are helping other instructors um, succeed. And, and you know, what are those strong points and what are what are their weak points? And um, you know, it's not to, you know, it's that would you know that's for me to decide and for you to decide. And um, you know, you can take what you want, take what works for you, and take what you think will work better for you, and um, stuff like that. But I but I really think that. Um, but yeah, I mean, would would more regulation be a good thing? I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. I think you know, if you if it became more regulated. It would definitely make this sport a, a pain in the ass. I mean, but it would also make it a lot safer, and, it, and it would make it it would it would make it more of a cowboy 
hobby and more of a, of a general aviation experience. Let me interrupt you here real quick, because actually Bill just said it, and I, I was going to say it about a minute ago, is the USPPA does have a standardized civil syllabus. Yes. Uh, the ASC does as well. And so there, there are standardized uh, syllabuses out there. If we could just get the instructors to buy in, and I, I've heard, you know, oh, I like ASC, I like USPPA. Man, it doesn't really matter standardized civil syllabus you know from either side a, a combination of both whatever um I, I think you hit the nail right on the head is at that point those instructors no matter where you go then it opens up to competition and competition is great you know you charge you know 2500 i charge three grand you know i'm i'm 500 miles closer Dave, we're losing you, Dave. We're yeah, losing we're... you. Uh oh. Is he gone? No, he's frozen, though. <laughs> it must be cold in Texas because you're frozen, Dave. Uh, all right, so awesome. What, what, what was your opinion on what he just said? Um, what well, you could understand because it was pretty broken up, if anything at all. No, yeah, yeah. There, there is there like the the USPBA does have a does have like their own their own syllabus, and I'm not sure if you can really see um, see it on here if I hold this up, but. So it, there is, that's, no, I want to see what yeah. I said. It looks better anyway. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> that's debatable. Um, no, but, uh, no, th yeah, they do have, they do have like uh, uh, their own syllabus and stuff, which is good. Not every instructor is following that syllabus. And, um there are there are a lot of a lot of skip steps, and there's there's a lot of students that I've heard that just don't get the attention that they that that, that they need, um, in in training, and they don't get the the uh, like in regards to certain sections of the syllabus. Um, I, I've had I've had students from other schools come to me. And basically just say like, we just, we went through the syllabus, but we, we just, we just buzzed right through it. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't really get it. I didn't really, it didn't really click for me. And, and, and I've, and I've heard that a lot of times. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of the other, the other issue, you know, it's, and, and, and again, I think that's more of like a volume thing. We just right. want to get people in, get people out, collect their money and be done. I can tell you my personal experience. There were only three students in my class and everything was very well done. Actually, Four Winds was actually affiliated with Aviators and then broke off. So the things that were taught to me, I've heard in Aviators step by step in their videos. So, and I'm not saying... 
aviators is the best or not the best, or I'm just saying I'm 250 something hours and I've done extremely well with over 450 flights. Like I've, I've done really well and I'm fully aware at some point it's going to turn out wrong <laughs> at something. Um, but you know, I, I thank God that I picked the school that I did because it's taught me enough or more than enough to keep me in the air and keep me good good enough to not have damaged any equipment or gotten hurt. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I did not get great training um, when I learned. We've talked about that before, but a majority of of what I've learned and a lot of my skills came from after training. It was just, you know, for myself, it was just learning how to fly with other people and learning how to, you know, the guys that I kind of started flying with, they really taught me, um, you know, because they were on the sidelines and watching. And um, so they were the ones that were kind of really getting me dialed in and, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of the instructor's job, but um, I didn't I didn't really get it. But I was I was the worst kiter ever. Like that school, like I had to be the worst kiter ever. And once I got that motor on my back, everything clicked. I don't know why, but everything clicked, and I have done extraordinarily well for a new pilot and after three years of flying i still feel like a new pilot i just uh, at the beginning of the intro the intro and the outro is me face planning why i allowed one line around my foot that i didn't see because maybe i got complacent maybe i don't even know how i think he did it on purpose oh dude trust me it hurt bad enough that if i did it on purpose i won't do it again Well, we all make mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes. I mean, beginners make mistakes. Seasoned pilots make mistakes. I mean, it's it's there's there's a lot of ways to make mistakes in this sport. Yeah, I made it. I made a good one. Yeah, right in front of right in front of everybody. And I tell you what, I posted that, and I I leave that on the. I had Will put that in the uh, the intro and outro. It's funny, but it's also something to learn from. Like, I'm laying there on the ground going, what in the hell happened? And it was Mark McElroy has a different angle, which doesn't, it's not as funny, but the side angle is way better. But it taught me what I did wrong. Like, it shows, Mark's angle shows what I did wrong. And it really, I'm not even embarrassed about it. I was just confused of how that happened. But, the winds were stronger that morning, and I should have reversed, but I didn't want to be the first guy to reverse and look like he was showing off. That's that's honest to God. I when I walked up, I clicked I clicked in um, in a reverse, and then I said to myself, "I don't want to be that guy." And I unclipped, set my risers back down, spun around, and hooked back in. Knowing the winds were going to be stronger, I took an extra half a step back and I put more forward momentum into it, knowing that the wing was going to snatch me, try to snatch me backwards. And that half a step is probably where I got into that little loop when we all kind of flip out 
the lines. I think that when I took that little extra step back, it did me in. So that's not where you went wrong. You know where you went wrong. I allowed my thought of what other people think. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that I, one. I was going to say, I, I'm sure Austin is this way. I, I know a lot of us are. Um, instructors at fly-ins or flying fields or stuff, when we see a pilot pull a wing up, reverse forward or launch, especially trikes when they, they taxi and, and turn around things, get stability and then take off, foot launchers you know, can do the same thing. When we see that, we go, wow, that's a good pilot. Um, when, when we see simple mistakes, and that's, that's why I show off my crash landing into the corn. Not because mm-hmm. I'm proud of it. It's hopefully somebody can learn something from it. Yep. Um, when, when you have control, don't ever be afraid to, to make a reverse launch because you're showing off. Dude, it could save a prop. It could save you breaking your leg, your ankle, your neck. Um, you know, do what you got to do, man. Show your skills. Be proud of them. I will, I will tell you, I showed my skills. I left my hands where they were supposed to be as my face hit the ground. I never put my hands out. <laughs> Dude. Ah. Well, that's that's pretty much all I, I got to say. Do about... <laughs> What's that, Will? I've never seen anyone do that. I don't know how you could possibly keep your hands <laughs> by your side. I, I'm trying to sell it like I meant to do that, but I hit the ground before I even knew what the hell happened, just so you know. Yeah, every time I see that, I, I giggle, man, because, you know, we, we've all made mistakes. We've all done dumb things. I mean, it's, it's just part of the learning process. Yeah. I strongly believe, and I, I tell you know, anybody that I ever teach, is the day that we stop learning in what we do and what we call paramotoring or paragliding is the day that we're dead. Um, you, you have people out there, uh, that, you know, been doing this for 20 plus years and a lot of those people, you know, the, the, the legends of the sport, you know, that, that paved the way to this will tell you they, they're even, you know, they're learning now, uh, every time they go out. And I think that really needs to kind of be the accepted attitude when you start getting in and even thinking about instructing is to you know, start stepping away and getting back to the basics because you're teaching the basics to students. Um, I, I heard of a school that, that basically teaches SIV manure, maneuvers right in the beginning to learn how to fly. I, I don't know how true it is, um, but I think as instructors, we're, we're definitely... Uh, passionate about the sport we're probably pretty decent at flying but when we instruct we need to get back into the the mindset of back to basics man you know and yeah. and teach that and and good decision making good decision making let me repeat it good decision making because that's what's going to keep you alive all right so let's finish this up we're half hour past where we normally go <clears throat> Austin, you got anything you want to add to this tonight? No, I don't think so. Thanks for thanks for letting me tune in towards the end, though. It was, it was good. Austin, you got a school you want to advertise or what have you? Um, sure, yeah, Lift, Lift Paramotor. Um, liftparamotor.com, or you can find me on Instagram at uh, Lift Paramotor. And Mr. Trek Fly Dave, what, or Dave Ruff, jeez, sorry, you can slap me. I'm sorry. 
He didn't froze. He didn't hear that. Oh no, he did. He unfroze. <laughs> Mister Mister Ruff. Damn it. Uh, where where can we uh, find you at? And if there's a school you want to maybe get an extra student in or two. Um, as far as for a school, look me up. Just contact me uh, up on Facebook. I really don't have a, a school that I I really advertise. We used to call it East Texas Paramotor, um, but you know whatever. You can find me up on Facebook. Uh, you can find me on uh, YouTube. Uh, Trike Flyer uh, David Ruff. I put up farm videos, flying videos. Although I haven't been doing a lot of videos, been doing a lot of lives. Um, and yeah, man, just be good to each other. Just just be good to each other. And Will, do you want to share your school that you where you are instructor at? Yeah, yeah, my school. Just uh, look up Dave Dairy Ruff Queen. Or, or <laughs> Dairy <Dave>. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Dairy Queen. EPG. <laughs> no, no school, but uh, if you want to check out my videos, you can go to Will Fly on YouTube or uh, Will Fly PPG. Take you to the same place. All right, guys, you can find me here at Never Trust Skinny Chef Shane or on TikTok at ppgshane.com. We are going to get out of here. If you guys want to hold on real quick, we'll uh, finish up. Don't forget, Austin, to watch the end of this clip here. It's just for you. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> but maybe you should see it again. It's awesome. All right, thanks, chatters. I appreciate it. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, Holler at the Waller fly-in that we're going to in Alabama. We'll be there tomorrow. Good night, guys. Good night. Come on. I've got a lot to say. Can't hold it in this time. Got no fear.